one coin to rule them all. Yes. This week on Download This Show, a cryptocurrency based on the Lord of the Rings is in trouble. Plus, we place the government's new proposed anti-trolling laws under the microscope. Do they work? And who do they work for? And also work against? Plus, 193 countries have come together to make a very big decision that will hopefully ward off robots killing us. What is that decision? Let's find out. This is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. My name is Mark Fennell and welcome to Download This Show. It is a brand new episode of Download This Show. Our guest this week, freelance journalist extraordinaire. That's right. Extraordinaire. I said it. Alice Clark, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me back. And National Technology Editor for News Corp, Jen Dudley-Nicholson. Welcome back. Thank you so much, sir. So, uh, he who co-founded Twitter, Jack Dorsey, man of much beard, has decided he's quit. He's, I love he did the thing that people do now where they, they write out a note on, like, Apple Notes and then screenshot it and put it on the internet. Why has he quit, Jen? Has he given us any kind of indication? Well, based on that, I think it's maybe because he didn't understand how to use threads on Twitter, which is a bit disappointing, <laughs> and, and maybe it proves his point. Maybe he should be quitting Twitter. Um, look, I, I think he kind of said, you know, this is this is time for me. It should be pointed out that he's also the CEO of another company at the same time, which, you know, really sort of cuts into your day. Which is Square, uh, right? The thing you sort of, the, the tap-in-go-thingy. Exactly, yes. And so the he's been doing these at the same money. time. I was going to say, Alice, <laughs> you mean the one where it's really obvious how you survive as a business? Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe he can he can go on and he can prove himself more successful there. However, in amongst all of this, I'm surprised that it, it was Dorsey that we saw out amongst the founders of tech as opposed to Zuckerberg, who's had a couple of things going on recently that you might have heard about. He's got to weather the storm. He, he can't quit until he's come out victorious, Alice. Yeah, I think Zuckerberg's going to hold on for as long as he possibly can. If he wasn't going to quit after his platform accidentally caused a siege in the US Capitol, I, I think he's just going to be there for good. He will be cryogenically frozen and still be CEO. Well, the thing is, he can be cryogenically frozen, but he'll still be turned into an avatar on whatever the metaverse <laughs> his oh, God, new yes. future plan is. So, like, he, he never truly died. I mean, I'm obviously not wishing death on Mark Zuckerberg, but he, he will no. never truly die. He will always exist in either a heart's minds or an avatar form. Yeah, he saw Dollhouse, the Joss Whedon show from 2009, <laughs> which is supposed to show a terrible dystopian future, and he said, yeah, I want that for us. <laughs> and now we're just working towards it. If he is cryogenically frozen, I can imagine that he will look absolutely no different on one of those paddleboard things that he was using with all of the, mm. the, the zinc. It'll look exactly <laughs> the same. It'll be weekend at Zuckerberg's. No one will know. Mm. Or maybe he'll be like a, one of the heads in the jar from Futurama and just kind of keep talking without a body. I want the record to reflect this is a very serious show about technology. <laughs> uh, our guests this week, Alice Clark and Jen Dudley-Nicholson. Mark Fennell is my name. And in more serious news, that's right, it's serious. Australia's been looking at anti-troll legislation that would allow social media users to sue, quote-unquote, bullies, but it has proven to be very controversial. Jen, why so? There's a lot to unpack here, and I have a lot of thoughts on it, and, and like, at its at its heart, maybe it's trying to do the right thing, and in its execution, we've got to wait and see, but I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. So That was a real journey right there. <laughs> well, 
And well, these, these laws, these, this proposal, I suppose, as it is at the moment, is a real journey because at the centre of it, you do have a legitimate problem. You have the issue of, you know, hate speech and, and threats and really toxic behaviour happening online because humans are the worst and also in part because social networks allow them to be the worst and, and don't actually do anything to stop them from that behaviour. And so this proposal is essentially saying, you know, when when people are absolutely toxic, then yes, you can sue them for defamation and we will make sure that you can find out who you're actually suing. And so in theory, that would maybe solve a problem. However, how many people have the funds lying around just, you know, the lazy dollars to sue somebody for defamation? Those lawsuits typically go on for a long period of time. And as I understand it, the defamation laws are only just becoming national now. And then there's stuff around, you know, how do you ID people? And so, like, what information do you have to hand over to social networks in the first place? And then if the only thing that comes out of this also is that the social media companies actually have to set up a better complaint system, that would be in itself a massive achievement because at the moment they desperately need to do that. However, that's not the only thing these laws are doing. So, yes, it's complicated. I think it's one of those proposals that sounds really good in a soundbite, but completely falls apart as soon as you think about it. Because most online bullying, which is the biggest problem with trolling, it's not as simple as someone tweeting six words saying that someone's a rape apologist. It's usually a random person telling me to kill myself or making explicit homophobic comments. And that's not defamation. And even if it was... Who has the kind of time and money to sue random people on the internet for defamation? Like, it's just not going to work. It's just going to be another way for the rich and powerful to sue activists and people who are angry for having an extremely tiny platform. Online bullying is something that's been discussed as an issue for 20 years, and no one's worked out how to solve it yet. And making it easier for an ordinary person to spend a huge amount of time and money that they don't have so an internet troll for making a suggestive comment about their mother is not going to fix the problem. Okay, so let's weigh up the pros and cons, right? Are there aspects of what's been proposed, Jen, that you think do have merit? So uh, one of the things, and it's not clear, by the way, because this is very early days, whether social, you know, like the, the tech giants will actually get on board with all of this and whether, you know, we'll see another, you know, I'm out of here, I'm packing my bags, good luck with you, Australia. <laughs> so, but there is a requirement under these under this proposal that they would have to, or the tech giants would have to set up a new complaints process, which is desperately needed because at the moment, if, and, and I've definitely had, you know, hateful words said against me, hi mm. to my anti-vax friends. If there's there's some hateful comment about you online, you can report it, and they all have means of reporting it, and then they all have means of ignoring it after you've reported it. Yeah, they're all they're and, completely useless, like all of them. Completely, absolutely, and like the the few things that do get taken down are definitely in the vast minority, and it's it's not even a line ball call. Like there's some really hateful stuff, there's threatening stuff that gets said that um, you get told because it's been you know passed over by a, a, basically an algorithm. Um, that it's it's not harassment, it doesn't, you know, go against our terms of service, we're not taking it down. And I think in a lot of cases, issues would be resolved if that system worked. So there was a case um, in Brisbane of defamation that has actually been resolved now, but it went on for years and years involving a high school principal. And that was, you know, it created a massive legal bill. It, it did go on for years and years through the courts. It, it tied up the courts for all of that period of time. It created immense stress for absolutely everybody involved. And I 
have to think that at the end of all of that, I mean, if that had been cut off at the start where that principal would have been able to report those comments, it would have done her less harm. It would have, you know, helped out the people on the end of it, even though maybe they wouldn't have recognised that at the time. And it would have resolved the issue rather than having to involve this massive legal process. So if at the end of this proposal, what we get is a decent complaints process, then maybe that will have been worth some of it. However, the other side is more problematic. Yeah, I must say, like the number of times I've gotten like actual explicit death threats and Facebook's gone, yeah, we're okay with this. It's astonishing Mm. to me. Alice, are there aspects of the proposed legislation that you think do have merit? Yeah, absolutely. They were saying yesterday that, or the other day, that at the moment, if you make a horrible defaming comment on, say, the Ages Facebook page, the age is currently the one held liable for that as the publisher. And part of what's proposed in this legislation is moving the responsibility back to Facebook. So if somebody says something horrible on a plumber's Facebook group, it's no longer the plumber's problem, it's Facebook's problem. And I think that's a really good change. Mm. And so let's flip the coin then. What are the major concerns that you have with what's been laid out? I think in the case of trolls and people who get on to be anonymous for nefarious purposes, I think they're actually kind of in the minority. I think a lot of people who go on social media to be anonymous are people who have a reason to be anonymous. Maybe they want to talk about things that, say, their extremely religious workplace wouldn't find acceptable, or Mm. perhaps they're an activist or a whistleblower or somebody else in a dangerous situation who wants to be able to speak freely, or maybe they're a trans person who's still working out their identity. There's a lot of reasons to be anonymous online that aren't bad, but if you have a way where every single person has to be connected to their identity and there has to be a way of identifying them if asked through the courts, there's going to be so many ways to abuse that Mm. and have powerful people hurt extremely vulnerable people. And I don't think that level of risk is acceptable. But also, I mean, I don't know about YouTube, but I also feel like the worst abuse I have seen on the internet has been from people that absolutely already have their names attached to their to their online profiles. I don't know that, like that idea that somehow, uh, and there, are, there certainly is a lot of anonymous trolling, particularly on places like Twitter, but, but the idea that somehow if you attach an identity to somebody's online profile, that somehow behaviour will magically improve. I don't know that that's borne out by the evidence, Jen. Well, Facebook, as I understand it, has a real name policy, which is you know, quite controversial. And every now and again, you know, when somebody racks up enough suspensions, then they get asked, you know, is this definitely your real name? Can you provide ID with that? So they're kind of already doing that. And I've got to say, like, apart from YouTube comments, maybe, like Facebook is the worst for it. And there's absolutely no slowing down the, the toxic comments on that site. I mean, as, as seen by, you know, successful defamation cases so far. I think, as Alice says, like one of the real concerns around this is that it's a form of, of a social media ID, which I'm not sure that we really asked for. And I'm not sure that anybody would put their hand up and say, you know what, I want these companies to have more of my identifying documents. So that's going to be problematic. That's definitely a problematic part of it. The worst case of Twitter trolling I ever had against me was from a verified account. I really don't see how IDing them any further is going to help. But no. It would be, yeah. I guess we'll wait and see what happens next.
It's worthwhile mentioning as well that in addition to all of this, the government already had a proposal in with the eSafety Commission that's due to kick in in January, which is supposed to tackle some of these these similar issues, especially as as they relate to adult cyber abuse and some of the the worst kind of most threatening, like the death threats and and those sorts of things. And that actually says that, you know, they can, the eSafety Commission will be able to direct these companies to take down material within 24 hours or shell out $555,000, which would be enough motivation for me and might be enough for a tech giant. Mm. And it's strange that we're not seeing those kind of given the opportunity to work. Instead, we're, we're seeing this proposal kind of come in over the top of it. That is definitely the kind of legislation that is a lot more helpful. I don't think defamation is going to make the same differences as going after the death threats. Mm. Like, it just doesn't. Download this show is what you're listening to. It is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. Mark Phil is my name. Our guest this week, Jen Dudley-Nicholson, National Technology Editor for News Corp and Alice Clark, freelance journalist. And I've been wanting to say this all week. You shall not pass on this (laughs) cryptocurrency. The creator of Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien's estate, has successfully blocked a cryptocurrency called the J.R.R. Token, (laughs) making this somehow both my favourite and stupidest story of the week. Uh, Alice, how did this come to be? Cryptocurrency is kind of uh, essential oils for tech bros (laughs) in that they're massively overpriced, a bit of a scam, can't do half the things people claimed about them. But unlike essential oils, the memes are hugely popular. There's so many meme stocks that you can sink your life savings into and then wave goodbye as so they the, disappear. So just for, so what you mean by that is it's a lot of people have generated cryptocurrencies that are built on jokes or at least yes. originated as jokes. And of course, the famous one is, is Dogecoin, which um, is a built around a very cute dog. Um, That's the simplest way I know how to describe it. (laughs) But this, I mean, what's interesting about this is, uh, you know, obviously Lord of the Rings is a well-trafficked piece of intellectual property in nerd circles. I mean, that seems Mm -hmm. like a polite way of putting it. Um, (laughs) And uh, they clamped down on this, Alice. Good decision, bad decision? Great decision. (laughs) I think if I was J.R. Tolkien's estate, I would not want to be associated with what is probably a pyramid scheme that a lot of people will lose their money on. Mm. Like, not to make any assumptions. I'm just basing that on other cryptocurrencies. But can we at least give them points, Jen, for using the tagline, one token that rules them all, please? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm so torn here because, look, on one hand, and nobody should take financial advice from me, on one hand, you should not sink all of your dollars into a meme coin or something based around a movie show, a TV show, or a hobbit. However, I really respect their pun game. Like the the pun Mm. game on this cryptocurrency is high. Like one token to rule them all. I can't wait till they come back as 11Cs. I think it's (laughs) – the the thought behind it was fantastic. I mean, when we talk about cryptocurrencies, it comes up a lot on this show. And obviously, it's, a, it's an exploding category. And there are obviously the very famous ones, like your Bitcoin and things like that. But do we think that there is actually a place for cryptocurrencies like this that operate in a sort of a fun pop culture space? Do they, do they have long-term value or are they just something that's designed to get attention, uh, Alice? Oh, absolutely. I'm guessing here, but J.R.R. Token, which, by the way, absolutely has nothing to do with J.R.R. Tolkien, the people uh, said. it is J.R.R. actually stands for Journey from Risk to Reward, which sounds like a real thing. Mm. Um, 
yeah, I don't think it would be a long-term investment and or a good place to put your money or particularly valuable a couple of months down the track. That said, Lord of the Rings people are still finding new things to discover both in the movie and the books. So who's to say whether or not they would find a way to make this cryptocurrency persist mm. well beyond what we think it would. I mean, journey from risk to reward is a very optimistic framing for your <laughs> cryptocurrency yes. journey at the very least, Jen. It, it really is. And look, sometimes it works out. And I'm not really sure if, if Doge is working out for many people. I do like watching it whenever, um, you know, Elon Musk tweets. I, I watch the, the value of it go up and then the value of it crash down again. And maybe it makes some, um, you know, short-term nerds happy. Uh, but we did see, you know, a, a cryptocurrency based around Squid Game recently that turned out to be a total scam. And I, I'm not saying that about the token, the token to rule them all, but it, it had that vibe. And, and again, not sure if you should take advice from me, but I'd say no. It has been talked about in the past, Alice, that there is an environmental impact to cryptocurrencies. That do, they do take an enormous amount of power to generate. How overstated is that? Like, How, how much power does it take to, to mine cryptocurrencies, as it were? I saw the other day that Bitcoin consumes more electricity than Argentina each year. It's just an insane amount of electricity. And it's also really irritated gamers because it's made it impossible to get the good graphics cards. <laughs> like, Why is that? Because the, the graphics cards are being used for cryptocurrency mining. Yeah, to mine. And it's like, what if you could make enough money to buy a coffee, but you also had to cut down a forest every single time? It's on that kind of scale. Do you think... People are aware enough about the environmental impact, Jen? I don't think they are. No, I don't think that anybody necessarily thinks about that when they're, they're you know, clicking and, and screening online. And I think that's true of a lot of things. It just so happens that, that cryptocurrency has a really big impact that they're unaware of as opposed to all of the other things that people do online that they really shouldn't be doing. Download this show is what you're listening to. It is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. And Jen Dudley Nicholson, 193 countries have adopted a first ever global agreement on ethics of artificial intelligence. What I need to know is how much further is this going to stave off Skynet? Like, are we talking about months, years, <laughs> decades? Talk me through it. Well, I feel like artificial intelligence has been around and in popular use for a while. So to come in now and go, oh, whoa, 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 let's adopt ethics now. <laughs> it's a little bit late. I mean, surely I some people like... had some ethics somewhere along the ride. <laughs> I feel like that's after you've done all your online Christmas shopping and you go, okay, it's budget time. Wait a minute. We've already done that. Look, it's nice to see somebody making an effort, and I'm glad that UNESCO has kind of stepped in. I mean, 190, However, 193 countries is not some people. That's a lot of countries. Uh, look, it, it, is, it is a lot of people. But again, these people have been using that same technology for a long period of time as well. Um, so, yes. But look, I'm, I'm glad that they are making the effort. I'm glad that this is, this is coming into play. Um, I think... One of the more interesting ways, because it's, it's very kind of an ephemeral debate sometimes, you know, um, is your, your artificial intelligence ethical? I don't know. I'm just trying to buy stuff online and having it recommended to me. I think one of the more interesting examples I've seen recently is when Google launched their latest Pixel phone, um, that they made a big deal in TV ads for it about Google Photos and how it was going to, you know, identify people. And they had lots of African-American people on the screen. And for those nerds with a long memory, they will remember that in the early editions of Google Photos, it misidentified quite a few African-American people as animals. 
Oh. And that is very, very far from ideal. Um, So if you didn't know the background to that, you wouldn't really understand what Google was getting at in their, their TV ad. But that is an example where their artificial intelligence was not trained with enough examples. And so one of the, the things that UNESCO says in its its new ruling, its, its new guidelines for this, is that there's too much uh, gender and ethnic bias in artificial intelligence and they need to rail against that. They need to train their AI models with more examples and that's going to take a longer period of time but it's definitely something to aim for. Are there other parts of the global agreement that you think stand out to you as being particularly effective, Alice? Well, I do like that they're asking for more data protection. I think that's really, really good. As Jen said, all of our data has been collected on us all the time to make sure we get better ads. Currently, I'm getting a significant number of ads for male strippers, strippers for a hen's night, which considering what I've been married to a woman do? for five years. What did you I do? I don't know. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, you've done something. This is, don't blame the algorithm. This is your viewing choices. I don't know how this happened and cannot conceivably guess how it would. But every single thing you do online, I'm guessing it's something I did for a story. I don't know. But every single thing you do online is being used to make these advertising recommendations. And all of your data is somewhere. And I really like the idea that they're now going to have to agree to protect it a bit more. Mm. They did a bit because it's where all their money came from. But I like knowing that they're going to say, yes, we will hold it even closer than we did before. What's missing, Alice? Like, and we've talked about what, I guess, what is good and, and what are good. Well, good first steps, let's say. Is there something really glaringly obvious that you would have liked them to have all agreed to? I think as well as training the models, I think they needed to agree to have more diverse teams working on the AI. Because an AI is can only have the ethics of what it is taught, and everybody has unconscious biases that they don't know about. And so if you have more people working on a project with more backgrounds, you are less likely to end up with black people being mistaken for dogs or the incident where a certain tech company launched their credit card and all women were given lower credit limits than men just automatically. Uh, Or all those beauty photo filters that try to make everyone white. Mm. Like, you need to have more people on the teams. And I think this goes a long way to suggest, yes, you need to train your AI with more pictures. But I think saying you need to have a more interesting variation of people on the team than just 10 people named Josh would have gone a bit further. Mm. How about for you, Jen? Are there really obvious things that you would have liked to have seen agreed upon? Yeah, down with Josh's, I say. Um, (laughs) I think one of the things that that was in there that I I actually really liked was was very like anti-Black Mirror. Um, And it actually mentioned it bans the use of artificial intelligence systems for social scoring and mass surveillance. And I think that that really kind of approaches that anti-Skynet behaviour that we talked about as well. And certainly kind of the, the social scoring that we've seen in one country in particular that I think is deeply problematic for every person. Um, so I actually I, I quite like that that's made it into the, into the agreement. Mm. You meant China. I did. Well, speaking of China, a bit of interesting China-related news is that the US has blocked export of quantum computing to Chinese organisations, Alice. Before we get into the why, it's probably worth explaining what it is that's important about quantum computing. So quantum computers are 
basically ridiculously, stupidly powerful computers that could crack conventional encryption. Basically, they can do a lot of maths very quickly, which could be used to crack things like how does cancer work or how does the U.S. government encrypt their secrets? And I think it's that second one that the U.S. is more concerned about. (laughs) I reckon that you might be right about that. (laughs) So have... Jen, have they given up a reason? Is there a cover story for why they won't allow this stuff to be exported to China? Yeah, I, I think they're, they're pretty transparent in this one. Like they might encrypt their messages, but this message came through pretty clearly. And it basically <laughs> said this, this technology is being used to break encryption, including military messages from us. And I'd actually prefer that those were kept secret is the general gist of the conversation. And when you think about it, like if you're going to ban like, you know, Chinese companies from, you know, at one stage from social media, very much from the the 5G network, then yes, you are absolutely going to ban them from, um, you know, your quantum technology because giving people the tools that they need to actually break your messages does seem a little bit counterintuitive. Mm. Is there a sense, Alice, of whether or not China cares? Because surely they have their own quantum computing development going on. Well, given that most computers are made in China, I'm pretty sure they could probably work it out. (laughs) They're very good at computers as a country. They're really great at hacking into other countries' things. They have a huge uh, cyber division in their military. I'm not sure they're that that bothered by this. Mm. I think it seems a bit rude of the US to say we're not going to give you things, but I don't think... It's like if China had 10 cakes... And the US said, you can't have this one cake. And China would go, well, that's a bit mean, but I'll just eat my other cakes. <laughs> not a perfect metaphor, but no, I'm going but, with it. But now I'm also really hungry, <laughs> which was not the takeaway I think you intended. I mean, have they spoken publicly about this move, uh, China, I mean? They had anything to say about this? I haven't seen the complaints yet. I'm really obsessed about the cakes, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> However, we have seen Google come out and say, look, China are kind of neck on neck and neck with us on quantum computing in particular. And so, yes, I think to Alice's point, they do have a lot of cakes at play. I think that <laughs> giving them this part of the cake to continue <laughs> this analogy um, could help speed up the process for sure. Uh-huh. But amongst all of this, it's worthwhile mentioning too that while this technology could potentially be used to break the current encryption that we have, is also being used to investigate post-quantum cryptography. Don't ask me to say it twice. So this idea that there's there's next level, you know, uh, encrypted messaging that is coming our way. And so it is kind of like a, a war game style scenario that I would love to um, dust off Matthew Broderick and see again. I mean, don't we all? I mean, I want to dust him off and feed him some of Alice's cakes. Are there things that we can expect quantum computing to do that we aren't probably using it for at the moment? I mean, we've obviously talked about its, you know, its its importance and sort of military secrets. But are there things that, as it presumably gets, you know, smaller and cheaper and more available, that quantum computing could be good for in everyday life? Uh, yes, I want to see what a quantum computer can do with video games. Mm. I'm sure it's massively overkill and would be very weird, but I want that. Massively Overkill is a good name for a game. Also for a Swedish Eurovision entry. Ooh, okay. We've gone so far from the topic right now, so I think it means it's time for us to win the show. Uh, Just very quickly before we do, though, uh, Jen, are there other ways in which quantum computing can be used that you're looking forward to? 
No, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that Eurovision entry. Um, but th there, there are other things that we wouldn't necessarily have even imagined yet. And I imagine if the, the metaverse actually takes off, then we're going to want some quantum computing in there to make sure that, you know, our Mark Zuckerbergs don't glitch. Got it. All right. Uh, we need cakes. We need Eurovision. And we need, um, <laughs> what, what, what are we going to call the game again? Massively overkill. But Ma also journey from risk to reward, I think, would make another <laughs> great Eurovision entry or video game. Do you know what? We're going to go off and workshop. You're going to listen to whatever the next thing is. And with that, I shall leave you. Jen Dudley-Nicholson, National Technology Editor for News Corp. Thanks so much for coming back on Download the Show. Piece of cake. Hey, and Alice Clark, <laughs> freelance journalist extraordinaire. That's right. I'm committing to the extraordinaire. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. As you should. Thank you for having me. Always come over for cake. <laughs> I will. I will. Uh, and with that, I shall leave you. My name is Mark Fennell, and I will catch you on the next episode of Download This Show.